When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Phil Mackey. If you need him, it's trouble. Why so, is it trouble? So two is because he's young and he's going to struggle at times. Judd Zolgad. I changed my thought from a half hour ago. You are a bad person. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Lou Nanny joins us now, as he does every Thursday. And, Lou, going to start you off with this one. The Washington Capitals uh, go down to Tampa. They win the first two games. They look really good. They go home, and they they lose a game. They're still up 2-1. to one, But the Capitals being the Capitals, do, do you sort, sort of have the same weird f- feeling that I do, which is, you know, now that they've lost a game, I think they're starting to grip the sticks a little bit tighter. Well, I, I think that... Uh when you look at the game, they really didn't play as hard in Washington as they did in Tampa. They did have a flurry there in the second period when Tampa's goaltender finally started playing like he played all year long. And one of the things that you looked at going into the series was Tampa's goaltender wasn't playing as good as Holpe. Well, it was almost a little uh, uh, change in that game, but more than that, I think it was more a change of how Washington played. And I really believe that Washington could win this series. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to win this game tonight. If they don't tonight, then I doubt they're going to win it. But uh, I, don't, I don't think they feel the same way as the Washington teams of the past because there aren't enough guys on that team that felt that way. It, it is weird, though, because with franchises like that, the Vikings qualify here too, Louis, that you do have, you know, the players change, the coaches change, executive change. Uh, but And I don't know if it's because questions always come up about it and, and there's reminders or what, but there does always seem to be with just certain franchises that it permeates that that they're known for getting to key games and key times and not being able to get past that hump. And the Capitals, well, they seem to be there. Well, I think that the, with Washington, it was they were never getting to the conference finals for a long time. And they they got there now, so I think they've they've lifted the big hurdle they had. You know, they have had I think it was two times in the Stanley Cup Finals, but that's been so long ago. It wasn't it wasn't part of this deal. It was always they're losing out. They have seasons almost winning the President's Trophy and then losing before the Conference Finals. Well, they got there this time, so I don't I don't think it's the same. And I and I do believe if Holtby stays sharp, that uh, Washington does have a chance now, which. I was expecting Tampa to beat him, but right now I still think uh, the way Washington played in Tampa and the way Ovechkin's playing, he's playing like a man possessed. And, I mean, he, he's not only scoring goals, he's hurting people. He's physical. He's, he's, you could see the passion in his game right now, which you don't 
you haven't seen, I haven't seen this kind of passion out of him for a long, long time. I, I don't remember when he's been this involved as he is in this uh, playoff this year. You know, we talked about this for a while yesterday, that players and coaches, they, they always tell you that you know, history of the franchise and you know, past failures have no impact. It's not at all part of uh, your subconscious thought. But I almost feel like that's not true. I mean, you can't tell me that, like, the Twins are a good example. The Twins are 30-92 and 92 against the Yankees going back the last two decades. And those are different rosters, different managers, different front offices. Uh, the, the the Capitals have had you know three decades of disappointments. Do you think even if the current people on the field or the ice had no bearing on what happened in previous decades, do you think the weight of the franchise seeps into the subconscious of of players or coaches? Well, I, I don't because I don't think that the players think about it as much as everybody else around the periphery does, and especially the fans and the media. Uh, we had that same situation. Remember with Boston, it was 1967. The expansion came. Yep. And they uh, and we beat Boston uh, sometimes in Minnesota. We never beat him in Boston until 1981. Wasn't 81? It was 81. Yes. Yeah. And and uh, those teams were all different. But then all of a sudden we beat him. We not only beat him, we beat him two straight there, and we put him out in the third game in Minnesota. And so sometimes sometimes it changes. Sometimes it changes. It, a lot. A lot of times it de- depends on who your team is too, and who the players are. But Lou, you you changed that through one game, and you you lost that that game. The game, the game that you guys finally, I think it was March of that year, w- went into Boston, and the brawl, the brawl to me completely changed because it seemed to, to me that uh, watching the North Stars games in Boston before that, that they would push you guys around and play their style, and that game when you guys all stood up and said it ends here, to me changed that entire complexion. Well, it, what, what, what we were saying ends there was any thought in Boston's mind they could push us around. But Correct. Neil Broughton uh, said to me, which I you know I forgot all about it. It might have been five six months ago we were at a function, and he said, hey, "You remember when we played Boston in the playoffs? I went in before the game, which you know sometimes the general manager does, and I put all the teams players on the board." And then I went guy to guy, McAdam, you're better than this guy. Bobby, you're better than this guy. Neil, you're better than this guy. And I went right down. And Neil said, I remember sitting there thinking, God, he's right. We are better than them. Mm-hmm. And and I think besides the toughness, it's a belief in, and that they are better than them. You know, Boston was a a good team in those days, a real good team. And, and for us to end the streak there in the playoffs and win two straight, I think it was a belief by the by the players that that they were they were better than the team. You know, a team might think they're pushing you around, but the team is getting pushed around their own mind. That's not really affecting them. Mm-hmm. But when you have confidence that you're better than the other player and you should be winning, then sometimes those things turn around. Yeah. And and it, it happens. A lot of teams have had you know long histories. Of not winning, and now it goes even longer. We made a big thing out of it in those days, but we forget we we only played Boston twice a year. Now you see, you know, teams are playing four times a year, and teams still not winning those buildings. Those are just the, uh, I guess, the idiosyncrasies of sport. Boy, Lou, putting the names on the board like that—if you don't put thought into it beforehand—it could backfire pretty easily, as you're doing it in uh, live motion. 
Well, the Rockets well, and Warriors, yeah. we're going to put a, some names up on the board here and see what happens. No, we're not. That was a bad idea. <laughs> Actually, no, we're you not. Wanna, you want to know when it, when it backfired? 1972, Bernie Jeffrey was coaching the Atlanta Flames. And Atlanta lost five games in a row. Now, Boston in those days, remember, he just came off the Stanley Cup in that. And so they go into Boston, and Bernie Jeffrey says, Come on, you guys, there's no reason why we don't win this game tonight. Who they got in that team? <laughs> Look at them. I don't trade none of my guy for any of their guy. Then he stops and thinks, Oh, they got Oris Pazito. Well, well, maybe four or five. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. going to say, maybe basically, switch lines, rosters, you know? Lou. Yeah, other yeah. than that. <laughs> Well, didn't you didn't you t- tell me before that uh, that before the brawl game that actually Glenn uh, put on the chalkboard with what the fights were going to be? No, no, he didn't. No, I never told you that. He didn't put that on the board. All he said, uh, you know, we talked at noon. He said, "Louis, I think we should make a statement." I said, "Go right ahead." And he told him that it stops here. You know, and the first time somebody looks at you cross-sided, basically, he's telling them, you go after him. Well, it was six seconds. Bobby Smith and Casper went yep. right off the faceoff and. Didn't stop till the end of the night. I think we had five guys left on the bench, and they had six or seven. And now, to me, in retrospect, the genius of that entire thing, though, was was what you just said. It was Bobby Smith and Casper. Like, if you had sent Carlson out to start a fight six seconds in, it's like, okay, it's Jack. He's a big yeah. guy. But I, I think the genius was, let's start with a guy who never fights, because that's that's going to make the statement that even guys like Bobby aren't going to get pushed around. Well, that was all Bobby's doing too. Bobby, Bobby would fight. I mean, he had a few. One of the times he got really beat bad by uh, Al Secord, but he uh, he was a guy that uh, you know Bobby would do anything for the team to win. He was he's uh, I loved Bobby Smith. He he took it upon himself to be a leader because he was a leader, and he started off right then. He, he knew what Glenn wanted, and he was looking for an excuse to go, and he did it right off the faceoff. Yeah, uh, Lou. The legalization now, state by state, as we go forward of sports betting, we've talked about this every day on our show this week. It's it's exciting for us just because it's it's a floodgate here. But it seems like a win 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 for most, if not all, stakeholders. Where now leagues are probably going to have ways to profit um, if they you know if the structure gets set up in a in an advantageous way. Now an industry that was tens of billions of dollars a year is now going to be above board and regulated and governments can can tax it. What are your thoughts? Well, first of all, I'm not a Puritan, but it's not a win-win for everybody because there's going to be a lot of people losing and betting that never bet before. And, and uh, you always have that uh, addiction problem you have to face with some people who don't know they, they have that kind of disease. But you're you're right. This is going to be profitable for the teams. They're going to make more money in a lot of different areas that way. It's also, I think, going to be real helpful to the NHL because uh, with betting you get more exposure on television. That's why football is so popular. Because even in my office, secretaries and assistants and people who never watch football get involved in fantasy football. So then they watch a game. That helps the ratings. Then you get more money. Mm-hmm. Well, hockey, as as you know, hasn't had nearly the ratings that the other three major sports have. And now with betting, it's going to increase the interest in people watching, although hockey games are terrible to bet because you can pull a goalie at the end of the game. And that changes the whole structure of things. But but there will be increased betting, so there will be increased interest. And I know hockey will be able to, to benefit for sure. And the other teams obviously are going to bet from it too because when you get those kind of things like uh, people following because of betting, you get more interest in, in, in television and, and uh Teams are going to make more money. Ratings are going to go up. Uh, advertisers are going to pay more, and interest is going to be there. Hey, Louis, uh, 
playoff wise, do you as as a former player and executive, do you miss this time of year a lot, or are, are you glad that, that you're not in the midst of of being concerned about either playing or more importantly trying to run a team during a playoff time? I, of year? When you during the playoff, when you're running a team, basically as a general manager, you're not doing anything. All right. You know, it's it's the players and the coach, and 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 your duties are done. I miss the trade deadline. That's why I mean, I I miss. I miss the action then. That's what I miss most. This time of the year, probably happy I'm not in it because you feel so helpless and you just die. I mean, I wasn't able to to really process that properly, and that's one of the reasons why I got out of the game. And I mean, like you know, I've told you, in playoff game in Toronto, I got off the bus with the team. They went to the dressing room. I went to a movie. They didn't even yeah. know. You know, I had a hard time this time of the year when I – I'm having a hard time as a fan. <laughs> so I, I, you can imagine how bad it was for me as, as a general manager when I was really invested. Why now? Like, what, what's hard now? No, I mean, because I, I, if I want a team to win, I get upset when they when they don't win, you know? I, I mean, when the Wilds are in the playoffs, great. It's like I'm back in the game. I I left a couple games uh, two years ago because <laughs> I, I, was, I, I was getting too nervous and, Pounding tables there in the press box, and I, I got, I went home. I, I just, I got, I got to get out of here. Do you ever watch games with Craig Leopold in his suite, or is it just too much nervous tension for both of you? Well, I said to him, I did watch it. You know, I've been there a few times, and when it starts, the game starts. I say, you're too much like I was, and 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 you shouldn't be because I know I shouldn't have been, but I am, and so I got to get the hell out of here. This <laughs> would be a disaster. Here. Yeah. Hey, this story came across yesterday. I got to imagine there aren't a whole lot of guys who were active when you were still in the front office, who are still active players professionally today. Yarmir Yager is going to play a 30th professional season in the Czech Republic, 46 years old. Uh, he's the co-owner and uh, team president, it looks like, too. So he's going to, he's going to do all of those things. Still you know rocking it. The most amazing thing on that, Phil? Go back and look at how many total points he's got. Mm-hmm. And he's second to Gretzky. And look, you know, he's a few hundred away. But then factor in this, this guy he missed about four years playing in the KHL and other places. Imagine if he stayed in the NHL at that time. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. It's nuts. Uh, world championship question for you, sir. And mm-hmm. I'm just curious if this, if this bugged you or would now. International play, uh, Olympics I completely get, but international play drives me crazy because I see Patrick Kane playing, right? And it's great. He's play, He's representing his country. I get he's proud of, of that. But if I'm the Blackhawks, I'm thinking to myself, this guy just played an 82-game season. He's played playoffs for how many consecutive years? And he's got a chance now to rest up, and he's playing. And by the way, if he breaks his leg, guess what? He's not going to be back for months. The World Championships, I, I don't know if I was a GM. I think I would be solidly against my, my at least star players participating. Well, I think, uh, you know, I had the good fortune of doing it uh, four times or so. So, And I was the guy that used to get the players at the time because USA had no connection to the NHL. Hmm. And like when Mariucci, he was uh, working for the North Stars and they made him coach it. He'd come to me and said, Lou, you got to get me a team. And so, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd call around the league and get them players. I, I know where you're coming from, but I have to tell you, uh, I just always felt a commitment to to the USA hockey and and, and uh it's it's not that physical and you could get hurt you break a leg you know uh, running down the street too so uh i i understand that it doesn't have for me those big olympic rings to start with you don't have nearly 
the contact you're going to have as you do in the NHL. Uh, the World Championship doesn't have uh, the same intensity that the Olympics does because it doesn't have the same kind of coverage. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. It, it, a lot of times we looked at it as, as a vacation because right after then your wife would come and join you and you you go to Europe and, and, and do that. I, I had the be- misfortune. I was running, the last time I ran a team for USA Hockey was 1993 because when Italy I'd quit being manager and I didn't want to do it anymore. But they called me and he said, you could do it, take your wife and it's Italy. I said, okay, then I'll do it. And I had Chelios coming over. I had the team and all we needed was, and we did, we were doing really well. And Chelios got out of playoffs. So I talked to him, he flies over and he gets there. And the next morning, as we're having a team meeting, he gets a call from Pulford, who's the general manager of Chicago, yep. and and said, "No, you're not playing. You had you know problem with your knee. I don't want to take a chance." So, I understood where Pulley was coming from, but I, I sure missed it. And Shelley didn't want to go home. He, he did go home, but he you know he had to listen to the general manager. But uh, uh, there was a case where they were concerned about the health, like you're talking about, Judd, and 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 when when you have that then the general manager does have a right to say that, and the players do listen. And also, if you notice, all the time that you have at the end of the year picking teams, if there are, are guys that are unsigned, they don't go because they, they, they don't want to risk, you know, when they don't have a contract. Sure. Yeah, this is uh, two to one now. USA yes. up on uh, Czech Republic, but it was two nothing. I knew they shouldn't have yeah. taken the most dangerous lead in hockey. Now they're already mm. giving it back. Should have kept it at one yeah. to nothing. Huh. Ridiculous. Lou, great stuff. Thanks, Louie. We'll catch See up again guys. next week. Talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye. Nice talking to you. Lou Nanny. I love the fact that he watches games and gets upset about games that he is. That's like the Capitals, Tampa Bay. I suppose once once you have like a vested interest, I guess you're yeah. kind of programmed that way. Mackie and, Mackie and Judd now continue. Ready to be back in business or what? On 1500 ESPN. And now the Knights come the other way. It's a pass toward Marcia, so he gets to the puck, works in front. He scores! Jonathan Marcia, so another backhander! And the Knights leave one nothing. 35 seconds into game three. Here's another two-on-one. It's James Neal with Halla. Right side, a shot saved. Puck around behind, centering tripod. He scores! And meanwhile, What's uh, going Judd, on? Judd's got us glued to the World Championships here. Just, you it's know what? Tied that's now. That, the two. You were right. The two. It's goal that two goal what, lead. What U.S. A, took a two nothing lead on I the Czechs. Told you guys, what have I always told you guys? The Czechs wiped away a two goal lead within about yeah. three minutes of game time. I remember. Embarrassing. I remember the first time I told you two goal leads the worst lead, and you're like, "That's impossible." And now you believe. Yeah. What is it? Honest question, because I have. Zero interest in the World Cup. It's nice, like guys world like Patrick Kane are playing world championships. Yeah, they're world championships. That's different than the World Cup. Yes, it is. Okay, and I have inter- very little interest in either one of those things. Is your interest based on patriotism or just hockey or just hockey? Okay, just like, hockey. Olympics? Okay, I guess I'm no, in on the Olympics. no, I don't care about this. But now that the because NH- why can I'll, the NHL players play in these but not in because they don't want to pause their sport? Correct. Absolutely. All right. Yep, they didn't want to pause. So they, they didn't want to pause their sport for an, an event that was going to be basically have games starting at what? 4 a.m. our time. So this is done because their season's come to an end. And so this is this is either uh, players who didn't make the playoffs or as their teams get bounced, they join either Canada, U.S., Sweden, Finland, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But this is a, I think if I'm not mistaken, the one thing that this does is it it might create seedings for in Olympic years. 
So you can your country can get bounced entirely if you, I believe, finish in last place in in certain divisions of this. But besides that, it doesn't matter. So if you don't win some of these games, you could wind up like the U.S. men's soccer team. Correct. Just like and that might be in Olympic be- years only. Uh, but I but besides that, I don't care. Yeah, it's just it's puck that starts early during our show, so I'll turn it By on. Way, speaking of which, like uh-huh. the World Cup is going to be here in not here, but like the World Cup is going to be in June. I think it's just like the almost the whole month of June. Mm-hmm. I do genuinely. It's about the only time once every four years where I will get into soccer and I will I will absolutely be glued to the U.S. men's national team. It's like we're gonna have to go eight years. There's a lot of people like me, casual soccer fan. Um, and I'll watch Minnesota United games, but as far as like really taking an interest in international competition, you're going to have a lot of casual fans who go eight years between big-time interest. That seems terrible for the sport. Okay, yeah, it can't and, be good. Like, now that the World Cup is upon us here in a couple weeks or whatever, it's just more well, glaring how catastrophic that uh, and that's why disappointing my, loss was. My question uh, to the Rogues on the Wednesday show was, what does this do to harm the sport? Because you're trying to grow the sport consistently, and you've got a professional league now that it's not great, but it's pretty good. Yeah. And now you take, as as you just said, an event that's seen as this enormous event, and if your team's in, in it, people actually start to care a lot, and the soccer's fantastic. And baseball's kind of begging for another sport to come in here in the summer and be like, well, we'll just take your viewers exactly. instead. Yeah. And now you're just gone. Yeah. I'll still watch some of it because it is fun to watch Brazil and some of these other teams, but it I is, think it's a buzzkill. Fox is going to get absolutely destroyed, though. Because they paid billions, they right? They paid billions, and and their plan now, I think, is to send two broadcast teams to Russia, but the rest <laughs> of the games are going to be called off monitors from a studio somewhere. Wow. And and the soccer fan, if you want potentially pretentious, don't screw up my sport, it's the soccer fan. I wonder in their discussions about, because Fox Sports won, has essentially hitched its content plan to soccer in a lot of ways. And because, I mean, they do some baseball games, but they're not putting NFL games on Fox Sports 1. Uh, they're not putting there. Obviously, there's no NBA games on Fox Sports 1 or NHL. So they do have a major at one point, a golf major, but soccer is a big part of their content plan. And yes, that negotiation for the, for the rights to air World Cup games, I wonder if it even occurred to them, what if the U.S. doesn't make it? Probably do you think that not. even came up? Uh, if it did, it... <sighs> Probably not though, because they they have. When, when's the last time that the U.S. didn't make the World Cup? Didn't qualify like nineteen ninety or something? So probably. I mean, it's been like tw- it's been like a generation. It, if it came up, it, it might have come up in in discussions about potential rights fees. But if you invested what what they have, you're thinking to yourself, for sure, oh, they'll make it. Yeah, it's not even. You're and not like, like really concerned about at that point. And it can't be. And, and if they're negotiating with three other networks, you can't be the one that says, "Well, we'd like a little discount because we're not sure if they're going to make it." But to the soccer World Cup. fan, soccer fan does not take their sport being being done halfway well at all. Like soccer when Gus Johnson be, came in, let's yes. just put Gus Johnson on on the pitch, yes. and he'll just get really excited every excited. time there's a drive. Soccer fan rebelled immediately, yeah. and so now when when you're calling potentially pretty good games off a monitor in L.A. somewhere, I don't think your typical soccer fan's going to be like, oh, this is fine. Gus is still with Fox, right? Yes. Because he does uh, postseason college basketball. Yes. That's that. That would have been an interesting one for Thursday night football. They're doing Troy Aikman and and Joe Buck are just going to do two games yeah. a week to make Thursday night like the Gus Gasm night. I want Gus back. CBS NCAA tournament. It's where he's meant to be. That's where I want him. He was it's where he's meant to be because if, if Gus would inevitably get three games or so that were just 
phenomenal, and he would go absolutely ballistic, and it, it would be great. I want Gus back on CBS's NCAA basketball. Yeah, that's where I want. Him. What does stuff have for us next? No gusgasms, unfortunately, but we all do wish one night could be a gusgasm night, don't we? Just one night of the week. Not even on TV, just like in our lives. Yeah, anything would be great. (laughs) Uh, We've got great stuff, including, well, terrible baseball, unfortunately. Talking about donuts, we've got dad jokes, and the most important thing Adrian Wojnarowski has learned from Adam Schefter. Phil Mackey. The thing about Phil is he's he's so temptable. He likes to go the thrill route. That's what makes Phil exciting. Judd Zolgad. Judd, have you wandered away from the house again? Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. That stuff you should know about is sponsored by Indeed. Are you hiring? With Indeed, you can post a job in minutes, set up screener questions, then zero in on qualified candidates in an online dashboard. Get started at Indeed.com slash hire. Mackey and Judd show. Give me a go, no We're go for stuff wings. you should know about. Hosts, go. Producer, we go. Technical go. music, go. Volume, go. The actual stuff, we are go. Control, we are a go. You are clear to launch stuff you should know about. We are go for launch. You know what ticks me off for the past two days? Tibbs in our open there keeps trying to get wings. What's Tibbs doing? We're looking to add wings. I mean, it's he's stuff time. A, he's just a hungry guy. It's stuff time, Tibbs. It's not wings time. It's stuff time, Dave Harrigan. Yeah, now you're making up things to be upset about to take more time from stuff. <laughs> Normally, you would now promote stuff and tell me the thing you're oh, most Woj, interested in, Woj, Judd. Shefty. Woj, you want Woj, without a doubt, I want Woj, Shefty. All right, all right we can get okay. to that. Woj gave an interview uh, to a publication. Let me uh, double check what that publication was. It was a great one, I'm sure. It was wonderful. Complex. Complex was the publication. He spoke to Adam Carapel of Complex about all the things he's learned over the years, being an insider, you know, some stuff about the NBA draft coming up, blah, blah, blah. And then there's a talk about, since he's moved to ESPN, of course, he's become tight with Shefty, Adam Schefter, and he's picked up a few things, learned a few things from the master of NFL scoopage like this one. Quote, Schefter taught me a little trick that I had never thought of, which was have your second cell phone with a different carrier. You have two carriers and the text messages come in on the same number because sometimes if you're in a bad area, it won't come in on one carrier, but a text will come in on the other. I'm actually fearful because I've lost some texts before where people sent things. Sometimes it gets jammed up. I've learned a lot from him, but that's a tangible one. Wait, so you can have the same phone number. It's like email forwarding? Kind of seems that way. Yeah. Right. So you got your, your T-Mobile and your Verizon. You're in a bad T-Mobile spot. Yeah. You know, boom, Verizon, America's number one network. She comes through in the clutch. I feel like those jobs... A lot of people probably see Woj and Shefty and think, man, that's just a dream job. Could you imagine? They make a lot of money. They, could you imagine like always having to be staring at your emails and texts for, for like your lifeline and always have like you have to just be churning and churning yeah, and churning mm-hmm. with no end point. There's no like when you go on vacation, you don't really go on vacation. You're just like sending texts and emails all day and yeah, scoops are always coming in man i mean we can talk about it with doogie at 11 because he's the same way here yes, in Twin cities very similar but those just seem like <laughs> re- phones great idea hey chris long's <laughs> got the double cell phone one yeah. of which is from 1982 but he's still got the double cell phone he's, yeah, he's got the saved by the bell like brick <laughs> the phone that uh michael douglas was walking on the beach with in <laughs> in uh, was it greed whatever that movie was. <laughs> 
Very scary moment yesterday in the Texas Rangers game. As the uh, announcers were actually speaking with Rangers manager uh, manager Jeff Bannister, he's he's a silent assassin on the field. This is no better no better competitor than than, than Colby. He knows exactly what he he can do. Uh, it, it just he takes his stuff out there every single day. But, he pitches well and uh, competes. We better let you go. Yeah, I gotta of... go check on my guy. Now you heard the sound of the batted Uh-oh. ball and the uh, the fans' reaction. Yeah. That was Bartolo. Oh, what? Bartolo Did you see this, Judd? Took no. a 102 oh, is... mile an hour off the bat baseball straight to the gut. Oh, that's okay. It, and it he was. was just fine. It was, oh, yeah. Yeah, it oh, that's was fine. Okay. He was Didn't ju- even fall down, picked it up through to first base. <laughs> Afterwards said, it hit me more on the side than the middle. I have a lot of big belly, so I can Oh, yeah, it. he's fine then. <laughs> Big sexy got drilled and it didn't even face him. 102 you know miles an hour. Sometimes right? being a fatty pays off, boys. <laughs> Sometimes being a tub of goo pays off. Actually, that might be a fun uh, post show bit. Dave, do you have a bat in your car, like for ninth grade practice? I got a fungo, fungo. yeah. Let's, if, if that's true, Judd. Let's put your money where your belly is. Oh, Let's I'm go my, in the parking my lot. My gut's not big enough. I'm going to fungo two buckets of baseballs, no, John. We can roll. Intern Max hurt. can throw front toss. No, no, and, uh, that's a bad I need to put on another 40. <laughs> <laughs> then I'd be Bartolo-like. Then I'd be fine. Ridiculously selfish and short-sighted. Saddened that I was so flagrant with my remarks, and more importantly, that I offended so many people. That means so much to me. That part of the apology written by Joey Votto. Hear what he did, boys? He ripped rip his own team? Is that no, what? no, no. Much, much worse. Much, much worse. He ripped the homeland. Oh, he ripped Canada? He ripped Canada. Mother Canada? He was asked a couple days ago uh, oh. in a podcast about the uh, Paxton, uh, James Paxton no-hitter yeah. in Toronto. Paxton being a Canadian. The wonderful thing for Canada to happen in Canada by Canada by Canada's own James Paxton. Well, Votto's got an axe to grind. Also part of that apology. When asked about baseball in Canada, the Blue Jays, and specifically the event, it took me back to times of my resentment for not making Team Canada in high school, not being drafted by the Blue Jays out of high school, and not being picked for the Olympic team while in the minor leagues. Wow. This is what he said. As far as you know, Toronto and Canadian baseball and the country of Canada and, and him being Canadian, I, I don't care at all. He, you know, he or the Jays or Canada in general may disagree with that, but I really, I, I couldn't give a rat's ass about that. He also said he hates <laughs> syrup and Molson tastes a little bit like American cheap beer. Yep. Really? Yeah. Yes. Oh, he, he went those full things. after Canada. Oh, yes, I like it. it. Made fun of the loony. You know what? Then stand by it. If you're going to do it, stand by it. I love edgy Joey Votto now. He's just lashing out. He's they're fifteen and thirty or whatever they are. Good for him. He's been in. He's like Joe Thomas in Cleveland, where he's just going to wind up retiring three years too early because of burnout. By the way, uh, Wall Street was the movie that we're thinking about with, with the, the brick, brick phone. phone. Thank you to Pete Najarian for phones. pointing out that reference on Twitter. <gasps> to us. Probably had one at one time. Mm-hmm. Who likes a good dad joke around here? I mean, Nobody. They're fine. Move on. Sure. Well, yeah. No. We're not dads, so it's like now. If you want to tell some cat no, jokes, well, you can still like dad jokes. You don't have to be a dad. Yes. Dad okay. I'll buy. I'll buy. Fine. So Paul Pierce and Baron Davis decided to sit down and tell dad jokes to each other, and for the win, got it on video. It was all cute. It was a little setup piece. Here's one of them that happened to be about the New York Knicks. How many New York Knicks players does it take to change a tire? <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> 
unless it's a blowout, in <laughs> which case they all show up. Oh, that's oh, pretty good. That's, oh, I was gonna. Say, I like that one. A pretty good NBA burn, right? <laughs> yes. It's all fun games till you get to the end of it. What does a Minnesota Timberwolves fan do when his team has won the NBA Finals? What does a Minnesota Timberwolves do? Fan do. Fan do. When his team wins the NBA Finals. Woof. Turn off the Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's, that's good, too. So I like those. It could be that, wake up from the dream. Like, there's yeah. a lot of ways that that punchline could Those are gone. actually good. It's good. Turn off the Xbox. <laughs> Come on, that's hilarious. That's awfully mean. <laughs> awfully no, mean. No, no, no. Is anyone even offended by that here? No, like, definitely they've not. They've been so bad, you can't even, yeah. Maybe Glenn Taylor. <laughs> Inside the NBA last night was having some fun as everyone else has been doing the last few days with the Yanny Laurel debate, whether it's Yanny or Laurel, and then they decided to have some fun with the Chuckster. Shaq, what did you hear? What did you hear? I heard them both combined, but I'm going to just go with uh, Yanny. You heard Yanny? I heard Laurel. I heard Laurel. What did you hear, Chuck? I heard Laurel. I thought I heard Donut. <laughs> I, no, I swear to you, I thought I heard no. Donut. You're the first one. You got two chances. You're the first one. Laurel, oh, and you got yeah. Donut. They played Yanny and Laurel in everyone's ear except for Chuck, where they literally just had a guy <laughs> say Donut. 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 Genius. It's absolutely brilliant. God. Uh, After the game, post game, uh, of course, the uh, (laughs) Rockets stuck it to the uh, Warriors pretty good. 127 105, I believe, was our final score. I mean, Steph Curry didn't have his best stuff, and people have noticed. So, Steve Kerr, coach of the uh, Warriors, had to be asked about it. How much is Curry's. Lingering injury, maybe responsible. It's lingering injury. How much is it responsible for? For some of his play tonight. Uh, 13.7%. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> okay, you know what, though? Good, like, because yeah. one, here's another. There's, I have two reporter pet peeve questions. Number one is the talk about. Like, come up with a question. Well, You've been sitting there for three hours, talk right? Talk about the game. But the other one is asking someone to quantify something that's not possible to quantify with the how much did. How much did something... If I'm that guy, I'm pushing on that until Steve Kerr gives me a percentage. And I'm glad he gave <laughs> well, the percentage. Well, then he got right 13.7%. It was perfect. Like, how much did it bother you when uh, such and such happened in the fourth quarter? Oh, I mean, it kind of bothered No, 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 no. How exactly much? how much. So if did you it combined you? them and, and said, "Talk about the percentage that yeah. Kerr's injury, Curry's yeah. injury is bothering him," it would be the perfect outcome. Yeah. Yes, for you sure. Hit that walk-off bomb. How exciting was that? Well, Pretty yeah, exciting. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Pretty no. exciting. How exciting! I love talk about. I love talk about. Talk uh, about the critics. Talk about the, the, all the people out, out there. There was a. I, I think this is a few years ago now. There was a an FSN. It might have been Robbie. Robbie and Smikowski. And he used to do the how did you do it question. Like when somebody would hit a grand slam for the Twins and Justin Justin Morna hits a walk-off bomb. Justin, how did you do it? And you could tell the players are thinking like, I don't know. I just, like 20 well, I, years of training. I'm a professional box. baseball player, you dummy. <laughs> I saw I a fastball saw coming. Yeah. And then I swung at it with the pine tar on my bat. So, okay. Yeah. Speaking of how did you do it, how did the Dodgers get this crappy? They've had some injuries, I get it, but you lose to the Marlins last night. They are now 10 games under 500 yeah, from Elias. Yeah. Uh, they have reached or tied the mark in just their 42nd game now. They are 10 below 500, tied for the quickest to 10 games below 500 in ML history 
by a team that won 100 the previous season. So Justin Eight and six Cardinals were the other one. Justin Turner is back now. Is Kershaw still game. out? Kershaw's Kershaw's out. annual injury for Kershaw. Yep. Yeah, but still, I mean, two injuries shouldn't derail a 100 Seager's win out like that. For the year, right? Did, didn't he blow out his knee or he did something? So He's they, out for they, the season. Yeah, They've they, had some injuries along the way. But they're not going to... I mean, they're not going to make the playoffs now, right? They're 10 games under. No, and, probably not. And if, Kersh- if, if Kershaw is going to be out. Mm-hmm. So. Congrats as we wrap this up to the uh, uh, Toronto Raptors for the most mindless tweet of the night as the NBA was sending out uh, <laughs> tweets of all the uh, final three for all the, all the NBA awards coming up. MVP, Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year. Including Dwayne Casey, oh, no. yes. who was just fired by the Toronto Raptors. The official Raptors account retweeted it and said, "Congrats, Coach." Okay, are you serious? That I've got a an honest question here. Is that something that was like going to be set to, was set to go as soon as it, it was announced and just gets put out there then, or did somebody really have to at this point somebody in time retweeted think? Retweeted it. I yeah. think I'll just do this. No, someone retweeted it because the. You wouldn't know that, like, you're retweeting someone else's tweets. You can't, like, automate that from Okay, a month that's what ago. I was curious about. All right. Uh, the Lynx had a good tweet yesterday. Someone sent out a list of, like, preseason predictions and awards, and the Los Angeles Sparks mm-hmm. are the favorite to win the championship according to this, and the Lynx just retweeted LOL. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well played, Lynx. Uh, Doogie with a scoop in about 10 or 15 minutes. Roy Smalley, 1130. Matthew Collar. Mackie and Judd hanging out in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie, Judd Zolgad. And those are some boobs, by the way. Mackie and Judd. Uh. On 1500 ESPN. Walk around Lake Minnetonka in support of finding answers to rare brain and spinal cord injuries. Head out to Excelsior Brewing this Saturday, the 19th, for the Walk Talk Connect 5K, benefiting Courage Kenny Rehabilitation Center. Start at the brewery, walk the trails, then end back at Excelsior Brewing. For a post-race party complete with live music, raffles, and a Walk Talk Connect beer on tap crafted just for this event. For details and to register, head to 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. That's hit well to left field. That's got some carry. It's gone. A 3-1 pitch, and Morrison goes deep to the opposite field. All right, I want to, I want a shot at the crown here. All you, right. you guys got to show off. I'm not going to be as impressive as you and Chip were going back to 1980 on this Throwback Thursday, but uh, I did watch quite a few Cubs games in the 90s. All right, I have a 1997 uh, Cubs roster pulled up. So if you can go around the horn and give me who the Cubs started on a regular basis in 1997, let's start there. All right, Mark Grace at first base. Uh, let me write these down here. Uh, yep, thank you. Grace, uh, Sammy Sosa was out there. Correct. All right, this is where it gets. They had some like rotating infielders. Um, All right. Was Mickey Morandini on that team? Mickey Morandini was not so on that team until 1998. Then. All right. Yep. Uh, Todd Zeal. Todd Zeal. Let's see here. Uh, no, he was not either. See, I'm whiffing on this. Second baseman had returned, actually. Oh, Ryan Sandberg came Correct. back that year. That's right. Correct. And then they had, like, Jeff Blauser and uh, Ray Sanchez was in there. Ray Sanchez, yes. Okay, okay, Ray Sanchez. He was a middle infielder who played in a utility yeah. role for 97 games. Um, I think Glenn Allen Hill might have been an outfielder on the 1997 team. 
He once hit a home run into an apartment window across Waveland yeah, Avenue. I remember that. Glen Allen Hill. Nope. Sorry. Oh, he's not on that team. Nope. No, that was the ding for the home run. Oh, okay. It happened. I've already failed then. I've already failed miserably okay, in this game. Uh, short, well, the shortstop you should get. The shortstop was a veteran player by Sean the Dunstan. Stuff. Correct. Yeah. I'm trying to think of their third baseman if it wasn't because Todd Zeal was their third baseman in, in one of those years, like 96 or 98. Yeah. A former Dodger was the backup third baseman, and the starting third baseman was a 24 year old who actually, I think, hit a pretty good year that year, hit uh, 275. Home run guy? Uh, the third base, uh, no, only eight that season. What? They didn't actually generate. Let me go to their Sosa. catcher real quick. Catcher, yep. uh, was Tyler Houston? He was the backup catcher. Okay. Wow. Yes. And the backup catcher, but I can't name the starting third baseman on those Cubs Yep, teams. he was the backup catcher on that Cubs team. I'm trying to think of the other outfielders. Oh, Brian McRae. Brian McRae was the second fielder. You got, you got right. that one. Nice, nice. Third base. Left field. Uh, left fielder, it was a... Oh, that's... Uh, Le- Glenn Allen Hill was not the left fielder. Okay. Correct. Correct. Left f- fielder is a former ESPN broadcaster. Uh, Doug Glanville. Correct. That's a nice little outfield there. Doug Glanville, uh, a little McCray. speed in left field. And Sammy. All right. The uh, the pitching staff's got to be... Uh, was Kevin Tappany still on that pitching staff? Bingo. He was. He was... Uh, he was... Appeared in... Tw- oh... Hold on a second. Jeremy there. Gonzalez, I think, was also on that pitching staff. Jeremy with an I. No, Jeremy with a G, but you're absolutely correct. Okay. I knew it was spelled. Kevin Tappany was 9-3 and three that summer, and uh, Jeremy Gonzalez was 11-9. and nine. Jim Bullinger? Or was that? He might have been Hold early on. 90s. Hold on. I don't think he was. No, Jim nope. Bullinger might have been early 90s. Incorrect. Uh, who the hell was their closer? Rod Beck was their closer in 98. There were two guys that had saves. Uh, the primary closer, I wouldn't have gotten. The other guy was a former Montreal Expo. Ugeth Urbina? No. Former Expo. Former Expo. I'm almost positive Boy, this of this. Is, these, these, these I owned him in rotisserie baseball. All right. yes, it's not, me, it's who, not good. Who's their third baseman? Uh, the third baseman was Kevin Ory. He was wow. their regular third Kevin baseman Ory, and, only, right. and only hit eight home runs. And I think he was actually a pretty decent player for a short period of time, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. All right. Not so a train you, wreck. I, you, you and Chip. So you the gave me the so outfield. High. You gave me the middle infield. Did, did you Mark give Grace. me first base? Mark Grace. I gave you a backup catcher. Yep. And oh, the, uh, the starting catcher was Scott Service. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. So that's not too bad. Okay. Uh, the rest of their pitching staff. Uh, the starting pitching staff that summer was Steve Traxel, Terry Steve Mulholland, Traxel, Kevin Foster. Oh my God! Who won ten games? Jeremy Gonzalez. You got that. Frank Castillo was a yes. starting pitcher at the time, and Kevin Tappany. So crappy. The closer, the primary closer with eighteen saves was Terry Adams. Oh. And the guy that I gave you, who I'm almost positive was a former Expo, was Mel Rojas. Mel Rojas. Wow. And then their other uh, relievers out of the bullpen: Kent Bottenfield, Bob. Yes. Patterson and Ramon Tatis. Yeah, they gave up a lot of runs that year. I think they lost a lot of games too. Yeah, the e- the ERAs were not good. Throwback Thursday, the lineup game. This is going to have to be a new thing every week on our show, and we might have to. It'd be fun to include callers, but it's so hard to police. Like you could be staring yeah, at baseball staring at reference. Lineups, yes. So we'd have to almost like I don't know. You'd have, have to be the honor system. I think I'm done system. though. The 80 Twins are basically my wheelhouse, and after that, it's going to go down. Yeah, it's impossible from there. Uh, Doogie will join us. Inside information about our local sports teams when we come back.